0: Welcome back to Radium and Roses. I would say welcome to episode 3, but I really don't want to count this as an episode because I just don't have the bandwidth to produce a full episode of the podcast right now. But I did want to provide an update of some kind on the project. So my PhD program started out going really, really well. And at about midterm, I mean, a little bit before midterm, let's be honest, things really took a turn for the worst. Now, I won't go into too much detail about that here for a number of reasons, but I'm beginning to feel that this program might not be right for me. And I keep thinking about what Brandy Scalace said in... The previous episode, episode two of this season of Ray and Roses, about how she left academia because academia couldn't compromise enough and she couldn't compromise enough in the process of trying to change academia. And I find myself in a position where I'm ideologically committed to making change in academia, in higher education, because as I was saying in conversation just this past week, it literally used to be illegal. It was like not allowed legally for women and people of color to get an education in higher education like these are higher education is literally a space where previously those people did not belong and it hasn't quite caught up yet like the pedagogy the teaching methods just hasn't quite caught up yet we're doing our best with the tools we have yes but we can't stop pushing to do better and i just want to say that we have to do better Through our methods. That's how we do better. And if Radium and Roses is a story of anything, it's a story of how we have to learn from our mistakes and do better through our methods. Because people's lives literally depend on it. And I'm not just talking about lives in terms of brain tumors. I'm talking about lives in terms of lived experiences and lived realities that get erased through our methods, through bad science. Over the Thanksgiving holiday, Stuart Farber, who you might remember from season one of the podcast, called me just to say hello and catch up. I didn't have my mic with me at the time, so I couldn't record the some hour long conversation that we had, but we talked about bad science. We talked about how I was trying to position myself as a qualitative researcher, as someone who specifically and explicitly interrogates how we do research in a way that doesn't reproduce systemic inequities. And honestly, the more time I spend in higher education, the more I feel like, unless you're explicitly interrogating how you participate in systems of power and oppression, you are probably participating in those systems in a way that reproduces inequity for other people. I'll try to say that again as succinctly as possible. If you're not being critical of how you participate in systems of power and oppression, you're probably reproducing systemic inequity or social injustice. Especially if you're doing research about lived realities of human beings. Our research has lasting effects on those realities. Our research, as I learned in my master's program, creates realities. And sometimes the reality that gets created is one where a lot of things are left out. A lot of people are left out. In the case of radium and roses, the stories, the health histories of the people who underwent nasal radium irradiation as children or young people, and the consecutive fallout that has ensued in their lives, those stories... Those stories matter and those realities don't exist because those people aren't aware of the risk that they face because of the bad research, because of the bad science, because of the unjust representation of data. But that data, and this was really hammered home for me this semester, That data is captured through our methods, but it's also represented through our methods. Both the process of capturing data and representing data are interpretive and rhetorical processes. A lot of decisions are made during the research process and none of them should be made lightly, but always they're made in relation to power and the power that we have in relation to our research subject. And again, if you're not being critical of those power dynamics, you're probably participating in them in a way that produces some type of inequity for the research subject. Now, I just want to say... But this might sound to some people like an argument that everyone needs to hop on the social justice train. I've encountered some attitudes this semester um, along the lines of like, oh, well, my work doesn't really deal with oppression and nor does it have to. My work doesn't deal with power nor does it have to. And I want to say here that it kind of does. It kind of does have to. if you want to do work that doesn't reproduce social inequity for your research subjects, or even hypothetically, let's say in the case of teaching, for your students. I think about that a lot as a teacher myself. And I think about this a lot as I set out to maybe one day do research with victims of nasal radium irradiation therapy. So now the responsibility of building new realities for these victims in which their stories and their health histories are heard and validated, that responsibility falls on me. And the truth is that I need to be able to do that research at an institution that can support the type of work that this project requires. And that is work that is critical. And it's frankly, really, really hard work. And I'm really, really tired. And that's why there's not an episode three this month, but maybe there will be next month. So keep listening, please. Um, I promise I'll be back probably at the end of December with a new full length episode for season two of Radium and Roses.